All right, it is Friday again, and I am back with another Learning Tech Talks where we are exploring the landscape of learning technology, cutting through the fluff, getting questions answered, doing all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, and today is going to be a conversation about content development, but in a different way. We're talking consumer grade content development, micro learning, like we're going to throw all sorts of fun L&D buzzwords around, but hopefully make some sense of it and give you a chance to see something that's a, a unique flavor on the way we design content. And to do that with me, I'm joined by Kate Udalova. I think I got it right, right? I did. Yes. All right. Yep. I'm getting the thumbs up. So that's fantastic. And she is from Seven Taps. And that is a, well, you know what? I'm not going to spoil what it is because Kate's going to tell us all about it. But before we get into that, we, we always got to have a little bit of fun. I've gotten to know Kate a little bit more before we went live, but hey, it wouldn't be fair if everybody watching also didn't have that opportunity. Uh, so as we get rolling here, let's open up and everybody who's joining, participating along, you play along because I love to see where people are and who's joining me. Comment in, tell me where you are in the world today. Kate, let's go with you first while everybody else is chipping in. Uh, I'm from Belarus. Originally, I'm from Belarus, and right now I'm in Belarus, Minsk. It's the eastern part of Europe. So if anyone from Belarus is watching me now, hey there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and and we, were, we, were, we were having a conversation about this before we went live. You have quite the long winters there. You were saying it's hardly ever sunny, and then I was commenting on the fact that your background, I still am struggling to believe that that is a legit background, but that is actually your background, and it is a sunny day there. So, um, but Kate, you're also possibly, you might be coming stateside not too far out, right? Like it's, we don't, we won't commit to dates, but that's the plan, yes? Yeah, sure. Actually, part of our team is in states right now, so I want to join them as soon as possible. Cool. Cool. Well, you know what? Florida is not a bad place to be. The weather's nice um, and you do like the sun. So that's what she shared. I'm giving a little details on Kate. Kate likes the sun. So it will be a good place to live in the U.S. <laughs> if you love the sun. All right. Uh, I'm in Waukesha, Wisconsin, where I always am. Same background. That is Fred, my plant. I think my team at uh, ChenMed has named it Fred, if I'm remembering right. Um, but now, the icebreaker question that has nothing to do with learning and development. You, when I gave you the heads up on what your question was going to be, you didn't even blink. You just, I, yep, I got it. Now, I don't know the answer yet, so I'm looking forward to this. Everybody watching, you can play along as well. But Kate, for you, if you could have any celebrity, literally any celebrity, be your best friend on speed dial, you'd call, hey, hey you want to hang out, who would you pick? And I'm going to add a second layer to that. Why? So who would be your celebrity best friend if you could choose it? It would be Woody Allen. Woody Allen. Really? Okay. Yeah. Why Woody Allen? Just curious. Are you a big Woody Allen fan? Absolutely. I'm not just a fan. <laughs> I'm, I'm even more. I love his sense of humor. He's so... He, I love his aesthetics in, in I mean, his films and... Uh, I suppose that he will be not a great um, uh, data for me. <laughs> Firstly, because I'm married. <laughs> Secondly, because of his background and he's a pretty uh, senior man. But I'm really a huge fan of his talent. Yeah, I would love to meet him one day, to talk to him, to, to share my thoughts on his movies. Yeah, um, I just can be carried away while talking about his movies. 
Okay. All right. So Woody Allen, that's who you would, that's who you would pick. All right. Love it. So for mine, all right. I had to think about this a little bit because I'm like, well, it would depend on my mood. It really would depend on my mood. I feel like Jason Statham and I, we would get along. Like, I feel like he's somebody that I would just sit on the patio, have a beer with, and we would just talk. I don't know what we'd talk about, but he strikes me as somebody that I could just have kind of a chill conversation with. He's got that cool, cold personality. And like, sometimes I feel like that would be perfect. The other one though, where when I'm in an energetic mood, I feel like Jimmy Fallon, I would be, we would, we would have fun. I, I would have a blast with Jimmy Fallon. I can imagine we would be friends there or, or I would like to, but I highly doubt I'm going to ever meet either of them. But if I do, we'll see, we'll see if I'm accurate on that. So like I said, I couldn't decide, I couldn't decide between on just one. I'm always the worst at that. So I'd, right, I'd anyway. like if you are just to meet each other, so just <laughs> pin me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. We'll do it. We'll do a ping. So if anybody watching or listening knows Woody Allen, Jimmy Fallon, or Jason Statham, just send them our way, you know, send their digits in the comments and we'll send them a text. All right. <laughs> okay, so let's shift gears. Let's shift gears a little bit. Um, before we do, though, just remember, hey, anybody watching, if you aren't part of this and you want to continue the dialogue outside of just this, feel free to join the Learning Sharks community. We, I've got a new platform set up at community.learningsharks.com. We have lots of good stuff in there. So let's shift gears over to the topic at hand, which is digital content development. But before we do, talk to me a little bit about your background. Like, let, did you did you know this is what? Were you always in L and D? Like, what inspired you to first be passionate about this, but then go out and say, "I'm going to create a new ed tech platform." What's the story there? Well, I was a, when I was a student, I asked for I, I searched for some kind of internship and. Uh, I entered the L&D consulting company and they hired me and uh, at that time I couldn't imagine that I would work in L&D uh, industry for about uh, six and a half years actually. Okay. Uh, at one point, uh, actually uh, I was basically in marketing and uh, at one point I became a chief marketing officer but you know to promote products uh, among which were L&D consultant service our organizational management consultancy. I had to dive into these topics as well, just to promote them effectively, efficiently. And uh, I don't know how it turned uh, turned so, but I fell in love with L&D. I, I, I really felt that it's somehow familiar to marketing since we're, we're all aimed to deliver some, uh, we, we deliver some messages. We, we want to be understandable. We, uh, we are careful about every second of our viewer or learner attention. And um, during my last year in that company, I was co-founder of another e-learning startup. Uh, it was uh, a mobile oh, so app. This isn't your first rodeo? You've done this before? That's awesome. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, it's my first time actually. Okay. Well, I'm just really passionate about my experience. I can talk about it a lot. So um, I was co-founder of another e-learning platform. Okay. And uh, at some point, I just understood that uh, I want to move further. Uh, and I want to build something on my own, just with my product vision, you know, with no one who says me uh, how to behave or how just to implement solutions. And 
Yeah, that's how SoundTaps was born. Actually, even uh, entering such an oversaturated market, I, uh, I, I had and I still have my deep understanding and something that drives me from the inside because I'm also a kind of a learner. I was on the part of the uh, e-learning stakeholders team and I know how it is for both parties. You know, so I wanted to come up with a solution that I could benefit from just being an educator because I'm really keen on delivering some skills, knowledge that I have. And uh, I, I'd really love to have something that I would enjoy as a learner. So that's okay. how Sandbox was born. So you brought this mix of marketing, which again, I think there's a lot of parallels between marketing and not just the surface level. I think sometimes people think like, we're like marketing, like we do branding and it's like, well, I mean, that's kind of some of it, but there's there's a lot more to it, but I agree. There's there's a fair amount going into it. So you took that, you took your experience and passion for L&D and said, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock this out of the park, which we're gonna talk more about what that looks like. But I gotta say, when you bump into somebody and you say, Hey, I'm one of the founders of seven taps and they say seven taps, is that a brewery? <laughs> right? Like, what do you tell people what it is? Like, how do you articulate it to people? Well, seven taps is a free web browser authoring tool that allows you to create bite-sized content faster and easier than ever. Hey, you look at you. Have you been practicing that pitch? No. <laughs> no. Okay. Got it. Got it. That just came off the tongue. It was so natural. All right. Well, cool. All right. So cloud-based, cloud-based free, all right. I, I can't even Cloud-based, browser-based, web-based, whatever you like all to right. call it. All right. Well, and you know, what's funny is going back to your marketing background, I, I actually still remember the first time that I connected with somebody at 7Taps. I think because when did you start this? How long how long ago did you start Seven Taps? Oh, we launched it just on last November, so we are still in the early stages. I was going to say because I remember last November, and this was probably your marketing background coming out. I remember how I ended up getting connected with Seven Taps, and I remember being like, "Oh, what's this? This is kind of interesting um, type of thing." So. Your marketing piece, well done in that space. So, but let's get into it because right now we just talked about cloud-based, this and that. You know, I mentioned in some of the posts leading up to this, I think there's a lot of parallels from a consumer grade standpoint. You know, not only is it just a cloud-based authoring tool for content development, but it's really trying to drive some parallels to what we're seeing in the consumer market, which I think is a is a smart play. And I think a lot of companies are trying to make this play that it's it's stepping away from what we've always done in learning and content development. So if you want, based on feedback, we're going to do a lightning demo. So I got my fancy GIF, GIF, whatever, whatever you want to call it here. Let's actually take a look at it because as we were talking about while you're pulling that up, when we were talking about this before we went live, we were saying, let's let's look at this on two ends. One, let's show a little bit so people can get a visual for what this looks like as an end user. So if you're a learner, what type of experience would you be experiencing? And then let's also talk about the author because one of the things you shared as we were getting ready for this was one of your goals was really to focus on how do we design something that is really easy to use. So we'll unpack 
some of the challenges, the risks, the things that will go into it. But before we do, just so people can kind of say, all you've said is it's a cloud-based authoring tool. If you want to pull it up, I'll pull it into the feed. Uh, let's take a look first at maybe like the consumer side of it. So you ready for it? Um, yeah, sure. Always, always ready. <laughs> so I think you're sharing the wrong screen because if I pull up what you're sharing right now, they're just going to see the two of us talking and we're going to go here, check it out. See, we're going to be, that's a, we're going to go, we're going to go the wrong way. So I don't, I don't, I'm not seeing the actual screen that is showing the platform yet. Um, actually, I would like to start with uh, some demo of the course. And actually, it's not just an ordinary course. It's the course winner of our course creator contest. And it looks really great. Uh, just uh, some side note, Seven Temps is a mobile first solution. So your courses will be uh, will look great on smartphones, on mobile devices, but they are also available on desktop. So while we are just looking at, uh, at the course on desktop, it's, it's not the, the exact experience that I was trying to, uh, to deliver, but anyway, it, it's still okay. Uh, so no, well, and what I was going to say is what I'm trying, what I'm trying to give you a heads up on is the screen you're sharing is actually the screen with the two of us talking, not the screen that has seven taps up. So nobody can actually see the the course that you're sharing right now. Cause you're sharing, you, you need to, I, I'm guessing you have two monitors right now. Uh, come again, please. Do you have two monitors up right now? Nope. Weird, because what I'm seeing in the screen share right now is the StreamYard. You might be sharing just the browser tab. Anyway, while we're getting this in, so to clarify, it's a mobile first. So what you're going to see, you're showing it, if we pull it up here, is on desktop, which is obviously not the same experience. But as we're getting into it, while you're doing that, we get this cracked out. By the way, Enid... Enid gave you some props, Kate. It says seven taps is so easy and fun for the learners. So we've got some folks who have actually used the product, are familiar with it, that are doing it. Um, but I want to talk about the fact while you're while you're figuring that out, don't worry about it. If we can't get it working, it's fine. Because to give people an idea of it, my reaction to it when I first saw it was it reminded me of stories, like LinkedIn stories, Instagram stories, Facebook stories, whatever, where you're kind of tapping through is that where seven taps came from i gotta i gotta ask that piece from the brand name well that's a great question and you know uh we do not just uh cook stories or something like that we we leverage the popularity of stories the uh look and feel of stories to achieve high engagement rates and uh, actually the the story sees the tip of the iceberg of the seven taps platform actually uh, you know, stories actually uh, is a media format that allows great storytelling capabilities. You can use text, you can use images, some visuals, and you can put only limited amount of text on it. So in our era when we are just all go, 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 and we need to consume knowledge and uh, consume information on the go, uh, micro content, bite-sized content really matters. So, and the other part of why we introduced look and feel of stories is that for learners, they are already familiar. You know, seven tabs uh, courses can user be- user experience standpoint. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, when our learners open their courses, they do not get such a feeling like, oh my gosh, it will be a 30 minute long webinar or <laughs> it will be an animated video. They, they see something that they are used to and it's so engaging for them that they just dive into learning. Learning sets immediately because it's natural. You know, it's well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I told you I was going to jump in on things like this. Cause one of the things you bring up there is, is truly an expectation. I think a lot of people have when they engage with learning content is they go into it expecting, oh, here we go. It's going to be a long type of thing. So having that stories approach, everybody who's ever done anything with stories knows it can't be that long. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be relatively quick. So already just from a user expectation standpoint, you're shooting kind of in the nub right away that this is going to be quick because it's like stories and stories are designed to be quick. So it's not going to be a long experience. Now, one of the questions that you know came up and, and we're talking about user wise. So you can put video in it though, correct? So you're creating these different story tiles. So if anybody isn't familiar with stories, let me just kind of paint the picture, right? Like you're, you're looking at something and you kind of tap through it and there's little story bits that you can go through. So within each of these story panels, what, what's your flexibility in terms of what kind of content you can put in there? Um, currently, you can add GIFs and you can add images uh, on the cards and we do not support videos, but it's our well-informed decision. You know, I wanted seven temps to be as fast as possible and uh, have you ever uh, tried to create a video? Because I did it uh, lots of times in my life <laughs> and you know, you have to you have to uh, run through the script writing process. You have to shoot it. You have the, the correct equipment. And the worst thing related to video shooting is that if something updates, you have to go through this process <laughs> once again. And yes. I just, uh, I, you know, at one moment I realized, okay, there are hundreds of products that allow you to create good videos. So if you need, really, you need a video, let's um, make it on any other platform and link it to 7Tabs course via link card. So if you want to have videos and to provide your learners with some video-based experience, that's possible with 7Tabs. But as for uploading video files or making some uh, editing with video uh, inside the course builder, it's not a video. It's not a video product that may. Well, and I think what's interesting about it is the point you made, which is that was an intentional decision, um, you know, with that in that. And, and I could see the risk. That's where I was. I was actually personally curious, you know, can you add video? Because the risk I could see to your point of adding video is suddenly you take what's supposed to be a micro learning course, a quick consumption of of a story, brief content, and then somebody drops a 60 minute recorded webinar into this thing. And all of a sudden you're going, what? <laughs> like this is, you, you took the essence of what the tool is designed to do, which is, hey, let's narrate this as a story. Let's do it as quickly, concisely, and streamline as possible, but let's not pack something in there. So same thing, I'm guessing if I said, hey, can I embed a storyline course? into one of the stories, the answer would be no, because that did, that in essence would go against the whole purpose of the product. 
Absolutely. And moreover, instead of videos, we introduce sound bites. They're audio components limited to 60 seconds, which are great alternatives to video files. And if you want to update something, you just can record one other uh, file just on your smartphone, upload it to your course. And as for learners, they will always have the latest version of your course. So, okay. you know, it really saves tons of time for you. And as okay. for another uh, thing uh, uh, you just highlighted, um, you know, it's, uh, it's weird, but uh, I stumbled upon some micro learning platforms, they call themselves micro learning, and they allow you to upload some 30 minute long videos, some screenshots, but it's not micro learning. And micro learning doesn't stand for being limited to five or 10 minutes course. It's also about learner's experience. If the learner uh, just goes through the 10 minutes of onboarding or tries to understand how to, to interact with the platform, it's not micro learning. And as for the educator, if you spend hours or days or weeks on creating some content that your learner uh, will consume just in three minutes, it makes no sense. I, it's not, so I love that you bring that up because I think this is such an important point when we talk about micro learning is that, it, and personally the term I'm kind of like, ugh, about it. But it, what we're talking about is, and I think the reason I make that noise when I hear it is because so often when you hear micro learning, it's not actually micro learning, which is exactly what you're talking. It's like, oh, here's micro learning. And it's like, wait, it takes six weeks to build this. It takes a learner you know, 35 minutes to figure out how to navigate the thing. And then we dumped a 90 minute video into it. This isn't my, like micro learning is designed to be rapid on both ends administratively. And as a consumer it's supposed to be intuitive. It's supposed to be something that's just, Hey, here's something that you might need to know that we just want you to be able to quickly do. And you know what, if it gets out of date, it's fine because we didn't spend a ton of time on it anyway but it had a big impact. So it sounds like you're really kind of that passion behind what you're talking about is bigger than just the learner experience. It's carrying into really micro learning as a whole experience. And based on the comments coming in by people who have been using it, they're, they're in agreement that that's exactly what, what, they're, what they're doing. You know, I, I just want to uh, open up a little secret. While we were working on the first seven tab smart cups, uh, I was really, um, my point was pretty strong. Let's limit the content. You cannot, uh, you cannot just create too much text, too much cards in seven tabs. And uh, uh, some members of my team were like, oh, but it sounds like, a crucial decision. Maybe we should allow them to do something. Maybe it will upset them. But I was like, no, it's micro learning. That's all. So that's why in seven tabs, uh, you can uh, use only up to 10 chapters. And there are 10 okay. parts in each chapter. And that's all. So you just cannot come up with some macro experience with seven tabs. Of course, is limited. Okay. Okay. So you've really been intentional in the lit, which, you know, the thing is, and this is where we'll get into some of this discussion around how to think about this, because this is not an easy shift sometimes. And it's also not like, 
not everything can be micro learning. I think that's one of the other things that sometimes people, it, is there a time and a place for a more robust, longer form type of experience where you really need to do that? Yeah, you absolutely should. And I think one of the things that we talked about even before going live is, should everybody try and cram every learning experience and program they need into a seven taps? Probably not. Like that would not be a good idea to do that. And I've seen those trends in the past where like, hey, this this kind of thing became popular. Let's turn this all into that. That's not it. But what we're talking what you're talking about is where do you have these small kind of nudge story type experiences where you say, hey, this is it. And I and I actually like the point of forcing the constraints because that is it's a powerful tool because it makes you change. I used to do an exercise with some of my teams uh, in my early days when I was overseeing content development, where I would say everything you write, I would make them go through multiple times and cut it in half. And I'm like, here's what you wrote, cut it in half. And they're like, what? And then they would do it and be like, cut it in half again. They're like, you can't, I can't. I'm like, you're good. You have to, you have to figure out how to say more with less every single time. And we would go through this, I think three times to the point where we really trimmed it down. But by you forcing that constraint, you're actually preventing people from accidentally just going, well, let's just throw, let's just throw a little bit more in. Let's make it a little bit longer. Let's add a little bit more stuff to it, which have you had anybody be like, but I, but I just have to add more or what's been the overall response? The love from the comments say people like it. <laughs> uh, that, that's a great point to discuss because actually there were several cases when uh, actually I'm really open to our users. I'm communicating all days long with them. Uh, I have a great uh, supportive team of our users and uh, some of them really reach out to me saying that the first time I stumbled across the platform, I thought that it would be impossible to put all my content in seven tabs course. And I even started creating some course, but I thought that it wouldn't just work for me. But then I rethought the, all the content. I just crossed out all the good to know information. And wow, now I have my first micro learning course. And they were so excited. They, they, they keep sharing their courses with me saying, I couldn't even imagine I can be so concise and laconic. And that the course that previously took learners about 30 minutes to consume now can be consumed in up to 10 minutes. And I suppose this is a great achievement. I'm really proud of our users that they, they, they really embrace this challenge and, and they do something better. Yeah. Okay. Well, and this is so what, what we weren't able to show, but um, and again, we'll, we'll put links in the comments at some point so people can check this out because you ran a contest, right? You, you ran one and you were, you're running a second one now, but the contest was for people to tell me a little bit like what bring one of their courses and say, hey, try and actually make this in seven taps to see how that translated. Is that is that what you're referring to? Well, just the first, the initial idea, and this is my core belief that we should all, we should, we, we all have something to share with, with everyone. And uh, as for seven taps, it's technically, it's a knowledge transfer tool. And, you know, signing up with seven taps is a breeze. So I thought, why not to ask people to come up with some great ideas, some info bites, and to reward them for that. Uh, so we asked our LinkedIn community to create their courses and then we 
I uh, picked out uh, four finalists and uh, th there was an open poll on LinkedIn and people voted and we have amazing course winners. I couldn't even imagine that one could create something like that with seven tabs, frankly speaking, do not tell anybody. I was just looking at those courses like, wow, this is a brilliant instructional and visual design work. And uh, now we are running the second season because uh, when we announced the finalists and the winners of the con contest, there were people like, oh, it was just only one opportunity to, to, to take part. So please uh, take another season. So now the, the, the season two is in full swing and everyone can join. Seven Taps is free, so you can just sign up, create a course, submit it, and maybe you will be the next winner. And the the prizes are great, actually. The the uh, first winner gets iPad Pro, and we also have two five hundred bucks Amazon vouchers. So if okay. you want to share something, it's it's a great opportunity to do so. Okay. Well, and what I did do is I did share in the comments because uh, you had actually put together for this show in preparation for the show. You actually put together an example seven taps for learning tech talk. So I actually shared the link to that to people so that they can check it out and see what it is um, in terms of the style, the format, you can experience it from a, a learning experience standpoint. But you know, I'm curious because I will say over the years, trying to, trying to get people to shift from this long form to short form, that's not always an easy journey for people. It is not, and I think sometimes people do not recognize how difficult, not time consuming necessarily, but how difficult it can be to make something concise. Like it is not always easy to say, how do I say what I said in a tweet? Like it's, it can be very difficult. So I'm curious, you know, as you were going through this in your own personal journey, like how did you kind of strengthen that muscle because i think that's one of the things that for designers that are in the space that may be used to creating more long-form content that are looking at making a true transition to micro learning not as a replacement but somebody gave an example where they said you know it's actually a really great reinforcement tool you might have a longer form thing and then you're reinforcing it with a story or something like that to help people remember oh yeah that's you know this is that component but what what was your personal method to kind of strengthen that muscle because like i said it is not easy to build that muscle of how do i say this briefly and concisely well uh i, I suppose it comes from my marketing background and if someone from my previous company uh now listens to me uh, they will just prove that <laughs> i was really strict on cutting everything down and uh from the i don't know my school years, I'm trying to be laconic, maybe uh, not in my uh, speech, but when it comes to writing, it's just the thing I'm, I'm always for. And uh, as for seven tabs, you know, uh, from the moment we launched it, I was saying that it's not a replacement to any e-learning platform you're currently using. It's something that can help you to enhance it. Use it for prompts, for reminders, for follow-ups, and, you know, even such words, follow up, reminder, prompt, they, they are trying to convince you that it should be something really short. And thus, uh, starting from creating such prompts, people 
fall in love with the approach from the technology and they're trying even to chunk their existing e-learning content into several learning bytes rather than giving you know the long conventional uh course okay okay well and i think this this whole piece as it comes to content design I, I love your point about the marketing background coming in because that's a big part of marketing is like, how do we say exactly what we need to say as concisely as possible and as clearly as possible so somebody sees it and just, yep, I know, I like, I need that or I want that or that that meets a need for me. And I think that mindset is really a critical component as we look at learning content design is it's like, well, what are we actually trying to communicate or drive in in a learner that you know yeah we can add fluff and we can add more stuff but then the actual message gets lost and i think that's what a lot of times you find with things is you have the kitchen sink approach you end up with a franken course you've got your franken course that it's just a monster now type of a thing so let me let me ask this so from a workflow standpoint um so actually wait i'm going to bring this question up before i do and then i'm going to come back to it uh, so one of the questions that came in was, you know, for this, and I think this is an interesting one because I see content marketing as a really effective method for things. So somebody's asking about, you know, could you use this type of approach as a customer education type thing to talk about maybe your cus your your company's mission and story or types of things versus just the traditional? I think sometimes we get locked into well corporate L and D. I personally don't see this as just like a corporate L&D type thing because I, I can see the use in K-12. But how about this one specifically? Do you have anybody who's using this as kind of a corporate marketing tool to help get their message out? Sure. And it's high time I reveal some secrets, actually, because initially we thought that 7Tabs is a tool for e-learning uh, for L&D departments, and yeah. after we launched it, uh, I can say that right now uh, only about 50% of use cases uh, are related to L&D. Um, another part of it are just about... So you went, hang on, though. So you went into it thinking, like, this is going to be an L&D tool. That, that was kind of the thinking, and now that it started taking off, you're finding L&Ds... <laughs> 50%, but the rest is outside of L&D. Yeah, exactly. And as for sales and marketing teams, uh, they're using seven tabs for customer onboarding. Sometimes they create courses. I, I don't even want to tell, uh, to, to name them as courses because technically they are infobytes. There is no learning goal inside, but they create some infobytes, share them via QR codes and put uh, those QR codes on some products. And really? thus, you can help your customer to, to navigate through the product. And even some software companies use uh, Seven Tabs Infobytes for customer onboarding, for uh, product guides, and so on. Use cases are really diverse. And even uh, marketing teams are not only, uh, is not only one use case. For example, K 12 education. Uh, and uh, also some educational institutions. We, we have users from universities. We have users who uh, deal with some internal communications. So they just make some announcements in the company or just, I don't know, help to communicate some office stuff via courses, you know, 
right now people are going back to offices after being remote for a long time and yeah. they just have to recall some safety rules, some, I don't know, cleaning schedules and so on. So, yeah, news well, cases are really diverse. You know, what's interesting about this, and this goes back to, you know, I, I've talked a lot in the industry about the fact that learning isn't just about content. And I think that's sometimes a, a, a mistake that we make as, as industry practitioners is we're like, well, we're, we're learning professionals, but we're really over-indexed on the content, which is an important part. But learning takes a lot more than just pushing people the right content, which is why to me, it's not surprising to me that the use cases are expanding well outside of learning and development because communication is, I mean, that, that, that's not an L and D thing. And we know because L and D people all the time, we get frustrated with this whole, well, that's not really a training problem. That's a communication problem, right? But it's still a problem that we need to solve for. So how can we solve for it? And that's where I'm seeing, you know, something like this being able to say, we just need to get a message out there. And rather than spending six weeks designing an e-learning course, when really we just need to let people know, hey, this is what changed. This is what the impact is. Here's where you can find out more information, da, 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 where we might go, well, that's not really learning. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. It's really not. But we know we deal with that kind of stuff sometimes. And if there's a faster way to just say, hey, let's, let's accommodate the need and be able to deliver this. And I have to imagine, I can see that picking up and then other groups picking onto it and going, man, we could use this for you know corporate communications or customer education or whatever that is. So it's interesting to see that that trend is, is carrying up. Okay, what, other, what are some, I guess, going into the use cases piece? Because we talked about the fact it's not for everything. And we've talked a little bit about where it does make sense, but are there any ones where you've, you've had people go, I'm thinking of doing this and you go, I don't know that this would be the right situation, at least not the way you're thinking about it. Well, there were several cases when people were about to launch some uh, technical skills training using seven temps. And I was like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> it doesn't work this way. <laughs> Yeah, I, I suppose it's weird to to talk like that being a founder, but yeah, I'm just a great ambassador of Seven Temps, and I understand the cases where it can be applied reasonably. And if I see no sense in applying it, I would be the first one who says, "No, please, <laughs> change just another tool." Okay. Uh, yeah, and, and Go for it. No, nope, finish. What I you're just saying. wanted to mention uh, the craziest use case I've uh, noticed: how to use the dishwasher. And people create how such courses to train their children to use the dishwasher. Really, and, really. And you know, it was the third time in a row. I, I suppose, in just two or three months, that I stumbled upon such a course. And uh, uh, it was one comment saying that um, Sentaps user also created some course for their office staff because someone used a liquid dishwasher uh, in the you know in the machine. <laughs> so okay. it seems to be the dishwasher issue. And if you want to to, to teach someone how to use it, so let's start. So okay, okay. well, because now that opens up another another kind of use case piece. Because I guess this goes back to. You know, some of the tools that you look at in a designer's arsenal, 
you know, one of the challenges, and this goes back to user-generated content. I actually, in the in the Learning Sharks community, started a discussion around this yesterday. Was you know, what's what's the appetite for user-generated content? And in a lot of organizations over the years that I've been in, sometimes it's not so much the organization isn't open to user-generated content but they don't really have a good tool set to actually make it easy for users to generate content. It's very difficult for people to do this. Because again, going back to video, I've, I've seen many times where organizations are like, let's just have everybody make videos. Video is not an easy medium for content design. It is not, it is not easy. There, there's a high barrier to entry. Not only that, people are uncomfortable making videos. They're, they're frustrated because they're like, I didn't say that right, like all this stuff. And so one of the things that I've seen as a barrier to user-generated content is content development. And when we use tools like Articulate or Captivate or some of these more complex tools, we may not be able to just hand that over to somebody and say, you know what, this is a problem you're dealing with on a regular basis, maybe within your team, maybe within whatever, just go do it. Like just go make something for it. And so I think it's funny what you're talking about. You have parents <laughs> teaching their kids, like I'm sick of you screwing up the dishes. I'm just gonna put together a seven taps course, watch it. And I'm sure the kids think it's great because it looks like Instagram stories. Yeah. Exactly. Interesting. Okay. And so, no, Jeff, uh, just a few words about uh, user-generated content. Uh, actually, I'm a huge fan of uh, social learning and i suppose that if you uh create learning culture in your company it's just the best thing that you can uh, achieve and uh, social learning is a part of that and uh, with tools like seven taps currently we do not support such such a social learning technically opportunity but uh, i suppose that uh within some time we'll come up with some solution uh, that will allow for example your team uh, to create the content, to share it within your team, to share it within your company, because almost anyone, I mean, literally anyone can create the course in seven tabs. And I guarantee that it will look great because everything is pre-designed. All you have to do is just bring your message, bring your idea. That's all. <laughs> well, what's now the one thing I will, I will push back a little bit, but in a friendly way okay. is that I have, I have no doubt that it is completely possible to make a terrible seven taps course. So I don't want to, I don't want to, and not, not saying from a platform standpoint, but I think this point of storytelling is such an important part about being clear on what is the message you're trying to deliver. And I think from a skill standpoint, this is one of the, cause one of the things that I've seen in discussions with, with L and D practitioners is this fear of, well, but if we if we just let users generate content, we know they can create some pretty bad content. I've I've seen it where you go, oh, <laughs> this is like, this is not good at all, type of a thing. But one, you're reducing the risk because hey, we didn't put a lot of time into this. It wasn't a heavy lift type of a thing. But I think the other thing is I, I've heard conversations, and, and I think sometimes the fear creeps in where people go, well, what's my role then? If we let users generate seven taps courses. What do I do then? And I think this is where if we up our skills and how do you be clear on your message? How do you tell compelling stories? How do you organize information in a way 
that is actually very compelling and try and do something like this. There's still a critical role for us as L&D practitioners, even if we hand over the keys to people and say, you can generate content and we're here to help make sure you're getting the most out of that content you generate. So I think that's one of the things, yeah, go for it. Uh, you're absolutely right. And uh, I just mean uh, using such kind of a user-generated content as part of social learning. And uh, I, I, I really seen great examples when people in the company uh, embraced the culture of, you know, mentorship and they were keen on sharing their knowledges within the team. And it really helps to skyrocket the engagement, the job performance, just because everyone was so open and, you know, any L&D manager actually can relate exactly to the specific job that person is dealing with on a regular basis. Of course, we have some job descriptions, we understand the goals and so on. But if we speak about tiny features that really matter, only your team team member, some of your, some of your colleague can share something that no L&D can really open up to you. And let it be in a, I don't know, just hilarious way. Let it be no story behind and let it be with some cumbersome word text, but yep. the idea will be brilliant. And it's just, we guarantee that with seven tabs, such a course won't be long at least. So it won't take a lot of time. <laughs> so at least if it's a train wreck of a course, at least it's not going to be that long of a train wreck of a, well, again, I don't, again, I don't even like to call it a course similar to you. I wouldn't call it a course. I, I think I said in the post, I call it snackables, right? And this was something, a, a good friend of mine, Angie Ferrali, uh, if she ever listens to this, she'll appreciate me calling her out for this. She was big on snackable learning. And this was back in my earlier days as a designer. And we talked a lot about this in terms of how do we augment the more long form formal content with snackable content, snackable content that's designed not to replace, not to separate, but truly is just, hey, here's a little nugget. Here's a little munch of something that is important and matters to me. And again, I think your point of, hey, is everybody going to make an amazing course out of the gate? No, but at least there's some some limitations and guardrails because you said so for the audio. So the longest a panel then can be. It's really 60 seconds because you said you can do audio, but it's limited to 60 seconds. So the most you can do is, is 60 seconds per tap. And then there's 10 of those per chapter, correct? Yeah. And uh, the average length of seven taps course is about five minutes, actually. We, we checked it several times. So, uh, you know, just this morning I had a call with our user and she told me, Kate, I do not think that course is the right word for what you do in seven tabs. Because when I think about course creation, I'm like, oh my gosh. Uh, when it comes to content creation, it's just this part of the work. When I think about stakeholders communication, it's like this part of the yeah. work. And uh, I, I, I replied, but maybe we should call it Infobytes then. She, she said, no, info is also something dry and fashion. It's not info. But when you come up uh, just with the snackables, it made me thinking that 
We should apply. <laughs> you know what? If I see snackables in any of your marketing thing, I'll just be beaming because I'll know that it was inspired by this conversation. But that's that to me is really what this is. It's just like it's it's literally snackable information. It's designed to be something that you can just kind of munch on and it gets you through. It gets you through whatever it is that you need. Um, and I think, again, I think the intentionality, while it was risky, I will say I commend you on on taking the risk. It was risky to say, we are going to not allow you to do this. You can't put video in there. You can't make 187 tiles, you know, so that somebody's like, good grief. Like, when is this thing finally over type of a thing? It was risky because inevitably we all deal with it. I remember the days there was pressure to just jam more stuff in. Oh, let's also say this and let's also say this. And sometimes you would just be like, oh, for Pete's sakes, like, fine. Because you didn't really have a way to push back. You've actually given a pretty easy way to push back on people. Because when you get the stakeholders that want to add more or things like that, you go, sorry. No, wait. We can't. We got to narrow this down to 10. So what are the most important 10 things that we can use to tell the story to do it? Which I actually, I actually, I think it's smart. I think it was risky. It was bold. But it was but it was well played. Um, so let me ask you this, because I'm curious from a deployment standpoint, how are people then leveraging this? Because what I can also see as and I'm just curious what you're seeing from a use case standpoint, because where I can see this, <laughs> hang on, this this comment's just too funny. All right, where is it? No, wait, there it is. Seven taps is an authoring tool with a conscience. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, thank you. Uh, Kat, me, yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, no, but so let's let's talk a little bit. But <laughs> I'm still laughing at that one. Yeah, there you go. Um, is is deployment of this because going back to the same risks with content development that I've seen, where it's like you go in with the best intentions of creating a snackable bite-sized thing. And next thing you know, you come out on the other end with a two-hour Franken course and you go, what happened? Seven Taps can help with that content piece. But how then are people deploying this? Because I can also imagine that there's a challenge or risk with deployment because you could take a seamless, easy user experience where people go, great, this was so simple, so easy. Suddenly now you bury it in your compliance LMS under 97 clicks to even find the thing and register. And suddenly now you've lost that essence. So I'm curious how organizations are using this in a way to say, hey, let's keep the simplicity of this and not lose it in other methods. So how are people getting it out? Uh, well, actually, there are no uh, deployment hustles with certain temps since it's just a web-based tool and you do not have to install anything. Um, and as far as I mentioned, people do not use it as a replacement for their e-learning platforms. They use it as some of a, I don't know, enhancement. And uh, with Soundtaps, it's pretty easy to uh, not only to create your content, but also to deliver it. The platform allows it. Uh, and uh, we provide really one-click sharing. There are several options. You can share it via email, via SMS, via QR code, or via simple link. And for example, if you share your course via link, you can put this link 
anywhere. I mean, literally anywhere on your LMS, on your corporate library, just to share it via Messenger, I don't know, in a Slack chat. So okay. actually, uh, such a question uh, comes up really uh, rarely, uh, maybe just in cases when companies um, are pretty focused on using SCORM packages. Seven tabs do not support SCORM right now, but it's on our roadmap. Uh, SCORM and its API will appear uh, this summer. And maybe what about SCORM and XAPI are just most common questions, but I cannot say that, uh, you know, they take people, uh, they, they make people afraid of using seven tabs or say just like, oh no, without SCORM, I won't use this platform. No, there okay. were no cases actually. So I, there's, there's one thing I want to make sure we get to before we run out of time, but the, the, this piece that you're talking about, and this is one of the ones that, again, I would caution anybody thinking about this, not to get, cause I can see our tendency would be to get wrapped up in like, well, how do we get this as a SCORM package so we can package it up and we can put it in our LMS and we can deploy it that way. And I would almost say when it comes to truly snackable content like this, I think there's opportunity to shift that mindset and say, hey, stop thinking like that about this kind of stuff because it's not designed to be consumed that way. It's really not. It's not designed to be something, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to go through my seven taps, assign, learn. Like, no, this is designed to be something that's organic and, you know, just, hey, I, hey, like you said, in a text message, hey, you're trying to do this. Here you go, like, how do you do this? But this actually leads to the next question. So my first challenge to folks is maybe, maybe you'll end up opting, not telling you you should, but maybe you'll end up saying, we're not gonna put it in a SCORM package because you shouldn't load it in your LMS as that. If you want it in your LMS as part of a learning pathway, use the link if you have to. But I mean, again, again, I'm not gonna tell you what to do with your product. But um, but I would encourage anybody listening to think differently about it because that can be a natural tendency to say, hey, we made this really cool, fun, engaging micro content. Now let's bury it in our traditional ways of doing things. And suddenly you've lost, you've lost it. But that goes back to the question that Enid asked, said, hey, Kate, remember to talk about this because one of the things people are inevitably going to wonder is, okay, so if it's this snackable content, do you have no visibility into it? Is it just out in the ether and you have no no visibility into what's being done in the course? So talk a little bit about the analytics that are coming from the courses. Sure. We have built uh, reporting. So uh, if the course was shared via email or via SMS, kind of a more personal way of sharing, we track uh, per learner, learner performance. So we, we, we track uh, open rate, completion rate, and the amount of scores each learner gains through the course. And if we speak about more common ways of sharing, like via uh, link or via QR code, you know, we cannot track who exactly opened the course. So we track only the average amount of uh, open courses, the average amount of completion rate, and so on. Okay. Well, and I think, you know, again, this goes back to this whole fundamental mindset shift piece with that. Because, and again, just so you know, your marketing background comes out in that analytics, even right there. Like, say, hey, how many people actually engaged with it? What did they do with it? Things like this so that you can start to see is what you're creating generating value. Now, some pushback to that might be, 
well, but if we push a compliance course out this way, then we don't have a record of who did what. And to that, I would say, you shouldn't be putting a compliance course. <laughs> you shouldn't be putting a compliance course in seven taps because that's not the point. The point is for this to be organic type material where yes, you want some data. You want some data to know how is it performing? What are people getting out of it? You know, how are they doing with this? But in terms of the, like, I need to make sure Kate has a record in XYZ platform that she did it as part of the deep skill development. As you said earlier, that'd be a use case where you'd go, this, this isn't the right tool for the job. This isn't the right tool for the job. Is that fair? Yeah, and you can enhance your compliance training with seven taps because for me personally, compliance training is is a must and uh, it shouldn't be done just like for a tick. Yeah, you. so uh, it shouldn't be done just once a year for making this done actually, for, for the sake of having it. But let's follow up with, <laughs> let's make some summaries and this is how people acquire knowledge, acquire, can apply it to their job, can make some behavioral changes. And as for the statistics, actually, you know, we were thinking a lot about the indicators we, we should track. And for me personally, the main uh, outcome of e-learning or any learning is the speed and the result that the person really applies knowledge to their job. But yeah. this indicator is out of LMS scope. It needs some reflection, some feedback, huge and streamlined uh, L&D process inside the company. And from just being a founder of uh, e-learning platform, I cannot influence that. So that's why we, we track only the indicators that really matter. Well, and I think that's where, this is where accountability then falls on us as practitioners, which we should have anyway, which is how does this fit into the broader spectrum of the experience? This is one variable in that. And even your example of compliance training, I, realistically compliance training is designed, like we say, we don't want it to be check the box. It's like, that's what it's designed to do. It's to protect us legally is what we're trying to do. We're trying to make sure we have a record somewhere. So let's account for that piece, but then to actually drive organizational change and behavior change, let's think more broadly about the experience to say, hey, if the check the box in the LMS covers us legally, so be it. But then let's just not stop there. And like what you're talking about is saying, what are some other elements we can use to augment that experience to say, no, do we have all the data to know, you know, in the LMS? No, but we have what we need in the LMS. And now we have this other data, which you pull that together, you can start to tell a pretty holistic story if you think about the architecture in that broader sense. Okay. Well, I told you we were, <laughs> I told you we were going to run out of time and I'm actually just kind of warming up right now. So um, I, I'm not going to keep going because otherwise we are just going to blast way over this. But hopefully, you know, everybody, I shared the link to the course that she created for Learning Tech Talks. If you want to toy around with it, again, you know, when you first reach out to me, I'm like, I'll check it out. And really, it's you've come up with a pretty cool tool. I've got to say it's it's a slick tool. Again, it requires people to think differently. You're going to have to think differently about things. You're going to have to build that skill of how do you actually tell a compelling story concisely, but the tool itself can really help you do that. And I think I, I like the intentional approach to putting guardrails that force that on people so they, they can't go outside of that. So this has been fantastic, Kate. I really appreciate 
Um, I really appreciate the conversation with you. I appreciate you making time. Um, this was a blast. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. You got a lot of love, I got to say, from you've got a big fan base, um, very happy people. So thank you. Thanks, everybody, for joining in. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Friday and a fantastic weekend. We will see you next week, I think. I think I've got one more. Yeah, one more before the Memorial Day holiday. I don't know. I can't even keep it straight. Maybe not. Anyway, I know actually I'm not back next week. So more details to come. But anyway, thank you so much. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. And uh, Kate, it was an absolute pleasure. Likewise. Thank you.